lights down Hand over my crown Hand over my heart I do this for my town I do this for my crowd So turn me up real loud My time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode of MGR Unplugged. I'm already laughing because our first topic today, David, is going to be uh, the uh, presidential debate. And uh, for a while I thought that maybe you and I would try to, you know, be like Trump and Biden and start arguing and jumping into each other and, <laughs> and doing all that, but I think we'll be a little more civilized. But uh, uh, speaking of which, what was your uh, first impression on the uh, on the debate? My first impression, or your lasting impression, more than first impression. I mean, honestly, it was about what I expected. Really, you expected that kind of? Um, um, I mean, on stage uh, slaughter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I didn't I didn't expect it to be very civil. No, I mean, I expected it to be a little. Uh, you know what's funny? that I, I noticed in the first like two or three minutes Trump seemed like he was being much more um, like subdued and polite than normal yeah and I thought oh like because in this is the first two or three minutes and uh, I thought oh okay so his debate preppers told him hey cool it a little bit mm -hmm. and like because you're known as being like the hothead whatever so let's try to show you more presidential composed and that lasted about two three minutes and then it went into i think into it lasted until they asked him about his taxes it, it, it lasted about two three minutes until they i forget what the first topic I think, was i think they asked him and about biden the said something and well then no Trump no immediately the, the first question i think or the first major question was about the uh the uh, supreme court uh nominee and all that but no was that the first question well one of the first topics i believe it was one of the first ones but uh, um, to me, to me, actually, it was worse than I expected. I mean, I expected some kind of. Uh, for one, I expected. I thought the moderator didn't do a good well, job. Well, yeah, let Most me let me. Agreed. That's my comment. I mean, I thought it was going to be kind of litigious or 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 basically um, fighting a lot of uh, exchanges between Biden and Trump with their different styles. But I thought the moderator would be able to control the conversation and and stop one and let the other one speak or something. But then it became so belligerent between the triangle between the three of them specifically i mean even at some point uh trump ended up saying it looks like i'm debating you mike wallace the moderator versus biden you know because trump didn't like the way mike wallace asked a certain question and uh, then he said you're asking me the question the wrong way and all that stuff so but aside from that i i actually was unimpressed as far as two political figures one is the current president, the other one is a vice president who's been in politics for like 40-something years, including eight years being vice president, how poorly they both displayed their uh, composure, you know, like being, being presidential, you know. And granted, Trump is always the most um, aggressive, it just his, his own personality. But I'm a little disappointed too in Biden that he actually got into the mud with him and started doing kind of the same thing with his reactions. Yeah, he cracked pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, what, five, ten minutes in, he told him to shut up? Yeah, shut up, and you're the, the worst president, this, and clown, and this. And, I mean, all those things, just that, let's just stick to topics and, and policies and things like that and keep it more civilized. So I um, obviously, I mean, I was definitely a little bit unimpressed, and it was entertaining for sure if that's what you expect from a debate. But as far as um, having any more clear picture of what each candidate plans to do or doesn't plan to do, I'm basically where I was before. So. I also just think, 
and this has been said a million times, the debate format is terrible. Yeah. Like two minutes to speak is not a lot. Like, like especially yeah. depending on the topic, it's like, you know, okay, you both have two minutes to speak on healthcare. It's like, that's, you could do two hours on healthcare. I mean, healthcare, that's like such a complicated topic. Yeah, but uh, not to mention and that they, they don't even get the two minutes because if they are both interrupting right, each other. Right, because they just interrupt each other. I know. Um, I know. You know, then you end up spending half a minute rebutting what the other guy is interrupting you about and then getting back to this. And then, yeah, it, it, was, not, it was not a good thing. However, as far as, as, far as ratings, I, would just, I just looked before the, uh, the, the podcast started. Um, Nielsen estimates that there were 73 million viewers of the debate just on TV. They don't have the numbers for non-TV viewers, basically people that were watching maybe streaming on their phones or computers or whatever else where that is not a TV set. So just to give you some perspective, that's the highest single event television audience since the Super Bowl, which is usually the highest event as far as what we see in the US as far as uh, viewership. So that's a lot of people, 73 million people that were tuning in, which basically tells me that people either were looking for entertainment or they were looking for clarification on the policies of the two uh, candidates. Mm. I personally was looking more for... I think, I, I don't know. Like I said this last week, and I think I was right, that I don't think these debates are really going to change much. I don't think people who because you know well, they I, do something i mean otherwise they wouldn't have it i i i you know i liked i always like to gauge people's reactions on twitter and it was exactly what i expected right people who like trump thought trump won the debate people who like biden thought biden won the debate and it was like okay that's exactly yeah, I what i this. thought i also don't understand this thing about who won the debate it's like always like yeah like cnn paul says that Biden won by whatever points. It's like, this is not like a boxing match, even though it kind of looked like that. But I'm not looking for people winning the debate. Like, I don't know why they always... Yeah, know, but saying, that's oh, how well, they Trump, rate it. Trump also lost the first debate against Hillary Clinton four years ago, but then he won the second one, and that's the one that... It's not about winning or losing a debate. It's about debating and saying... The, the art of debating is trying to basically establish your point and convince the other person that you're right, which they're not going to do to each other, of course, but it's convincing the audience, yeah, you know, he has a point about this, or he doesn't have a point about that, and hardly ever you're going to find one candidate that is 100% right. You're always going to find that you align more with one candidate, even though not everything is the way you want it, and then you, some of the things that the other candidates say are also positive, and hopefully whoever wins will pick up a little bit of both. And, yeah. But it's not about winning or losing. It's about basically saying, this is what I plan to do. At least plan to do, not that you're going to do it, because we all know that when after the elections, the presidents really rely on the House and the Senate and all that stuff to get some of the laws passed. But uh, it's just clarification, you know. So, but... I understand what you said that, you know, if you are a hardcore um, Trump supporter, you're not going to be changing for whatever Biden says and, and vice versa, you know. But at the same time, people that are in the middle, they say, you know, Trump uh, wasn't what I expected, but I'm not sure if Biden will be better or the other way around. I don't know if they were clear, clear now as far as what might happen, you know. Because at the end of the day, you do know that this 2020 year has been the strangest year in everybody's lifetime, I think, unless you are super old and you have lived, you know, um, major events in the past. And, and uh, you know, no president, can, can I say could have, thing? no president could have acted, you know. Can, uh, uh, can I say one thing that always bothers me about this? And this is always like a very 
people are so um how do you say it almost like results and coincidence minded that recency bias it no not even just recency bias but like coincidence influences people and so i'll give two examples for both candidates so obviously trump with the pandemic right and he gets a lot of the blame for the pandemic and i was on this podcast saying many of the things he did wrong but at the same time the idea that like if biden were president we'd have no deaths or something i mean every country in the world is affected it's a global pandemic okay it, there's no easy reaction um and trump was unfortunate enough to be the president with the global pandemic right on the other point but i'll give you but i'll give you the, the other example um like the obama biden thing of they inherited the recession in 09 and then basically oh they grew all these jobs it's like well okay yes and no um they happened to be right the recession happened to be at it at the bottom right when they got in office when bush left and so they inherited it um but i wouldn't say it was them that saved the country okay the country saves itself countries don't go in recession forever you bounce back uh they also did a lot of bad things like remember cash for clunkers which was a disaster and all these things right and so uh, the tarp. I mean, you had so many things that went wrong in the in the, uh, post recession, but we recovered anyways because uh, I mean, basically, countries recover. You don't stay in recession forever, especially in the United it's States. It's just a normal cycle. And then same thing. Like Trump takes so much credit for the stock market. And it's like. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, I mean, just because the stock market goes up doesn't mean the economy is good. So, like, all, all these people take credit or don't take credit for things whenever they're convenient. And it's like, the, the truth is, the majority of the American economy is pretty uh, separate from the President of the United States. Yeah. The President of the United States does not affect most of the economy. Well, most I'm, of the I'm, economy is small businesses and companies doing things on their own. And if anything, government just gets in the way. It doesn't help them. And, and especially the market. One other thing. When, they, when all these presidents say, I'm going to create this many millions of jobs, government doesn't create jobs. Right. People create jobs. Right. Companies create jobs. Unless the government is directly hiring people, and even when the government directly hires people, that's from taxpayer dollars anyways. Right. So the government doesn't create any jobs. Yeah, the government well, doesn't create wealth. That's exactly wealth. the point. Like, like just the last couple of days, you have Disney announcing 28,000 layoffs because of the COVID crisis. American Airlines and United Airlines are both uh, combined for about 40,000 layoffs too because they, they can't stand anymore. And it's, it's pretty obvious when you fly these days that the planes are part on runways and flying at half capacity. So, I mean, they lasted for a few months, but they are announcing layoffs. So the president did not create the jobs when they were created, and the president is not laying off people when their jobs are not there. Companies have to do that because there is no other option. And, and it's just, they, as you said, I mean, the president takes credit, or the presidents in general take credit for things that they inherited, and, and things don't happen overnight. You know, one of the things that Trump said is that he was going to repeal and revoke Obamacare. Okay, well, four years later, nothing's happened. It's not that easy, okay? Yeah, no, it's not that easy. It wasn't that easy to create. Yeah, it's not perfect, whatever. We're not going to get into that discussion. But it's not easy to replace or revoke. You cannot just wipe it off. And, and he found that out over the last yeah, two and a half years. That's why we always joke. Like, right. Every candidate is always like, day one in office. Like, you're not doing shit yeah. day one in office. Okay, <laughs> give me a break. Like, you, you, people act like, 
oh, day one in office, I'm just gonna change the whole healthcare system. It's like, I'm gonna change all, I'm like, okay, you can't just change the healthcare system. But uh, apparently, like apparently those things okay. work because people, people fall for those traps, yeah. you know? Okay. They but fall for that shit and, uh, and, and you, know, you know, the truth is, uh, this is what I always think about the president and I think is more or less the truth if you look at basically presidential history. The president uh, is very important in times of war and pandemic, which is a kind of an alternative, of emergency, I think. An alternative type of war. Um, and foreign policy is where the president has a lot of power. But on domestic policy, presidents don't have that much power. The president can't just do things, right? Congress has the power on domestic policy, not the president. So the president can't get things through Congress. The president can't do anything. They can veto things. But see, one of the, yeah, I agree. They can do executive orders, but that's temporary. As far as getting legislation passed, the president cannot do anything domestically. Where the president has a lot of power, and this is what you see, where do presidents always have the biggest impact, right? Where did Bush have the biggest impact? foreign policy Obama the biggest impact other than the uh, the ACA which he basically did executive orders and pushed through which then a lot of it got repealed and is not permanent right. most of his impact was foreign policy Trump I mean Trump really domestically has not done much almost everything he's done is China and the Middle East all this stuff mm -hmm. right foreign Trade, policy mostly. so so presidents have way more power foreign policy so really when you're looking at presidents you should be Probably voting for the one who has the best foreign policy. I just wonder, domestically, they're not going to get much done. I, I, this is a hypothetical question, but I just wonder if COVID didn't happen, how contested would be this election, really? Um, oh, I definitely think Trump would be winning if it weren't for right. COVID. No, I definitely think so. Because, um, but that's the thing that, that I really try to be as impartial as possible and say, okay, let's just backtrack oh, yeah. to, to March. No, remember, let's, say, let's say that Biden was the president in February, January, February, March, leading into COVID. I don't really know what Biden would have done differently because if in reality, all the stuff that yeah, they're no. saying about shutting down the country, all the stuff, well, actually the president did not shut down the country. The democratic, the governors, that was a famous dispute when you say, oh, shut down this and that and then, he said, they told him, he says, no, by constitution, the governors have authority over their states. And then he had to kind of modify his statement saying, we will advise the governors of this and that. And then most of the Republic governors in famous, you know, uh, Texas and all that, they, they were the first to open again or reopen the economy back in May after, Labor, after uh, Memorial Day, whereas some of the Democratic governors were more like, uh, we're going to stay shut down and everything and now they're in big crisis. So I don't know what Biden would have done differently saying either we keep shut down, which is really bad for the economy. I mean, it's proven that no country in the world, no country in the Western world thinks that uh, lockdown will work again. They're all trying to get away and say we're going to partially lock down this area or this nucleus or this confinement or something. But they know that their own economies will not survive a second lockdown, nor will the people that live in those countries because at some point you have other issues that are unintended consequences that come after locking down which people don't have jobs they have all kinds of other problems you know so now for biden to say oh you ruined this country's economy because of all the, the handling of the pandemic i'm like honestly yeah everybody can play monday morning quarterback when we learn more stuff but I don't know what could have been done differently back then. We've all learned a lot in the last six, seven months about the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, you could have done the things differently. Uh, but, yeah, but, but, but 
Different is one I, I, thing. Better no, I think, is another. I think Trump's biggest mistake, and I said it when we were on this podcast back in February and March, and I said he should have shut it down sooner. How was it? That was the biggest mistake. Right. He should have shut it down sooner. That now, could, but let, no, I agree. I'm saying I don't think that because uh, this was uh, the pandemic. Sh on it, it has become this, but it shouldn't be a partisan issue. I mean, and exactly. you can look globally at all the world leaders, left, right, whatever, um, pretty much everybody fucked it up. I right. Mean, it doesn't no, nobody had new were. direction. So, so, no, I mean, yeah, it's very it easy sooner, to obviously play Shutting it down sooner is also something that we can say now, but when he shut down China and all that stuff, he was criticized for doing that, even though he was the first one who did it. You know, every travel from China, and a week after he said every travel from Europe except for two, three countries, including the UK. And then when the UK started increasing, he said, okay, UK well, is shut is down too. This is what I'm saying. So this is, this is why I say... Uh, presidents get too much credit and too much blame right. for things that really aren't them. Um, and, and it's not just Trump. It was Obama. It was Bush. It's like every president, and I get it, they're the face of the nation, right? They're, they're the ones who are the representatives. So when things are good, they're going to get credit for things they don't deserve credit for. And when things are bad, they're going to get blamed for things that they probably don't deserve blame for. But... Um, yeah, I, I again, like on the flip side, right? Trump, how many times has he talked about the stock market, stock market, stock market? It's like, well, you know, if you just artificially pump money into right, things yeah, that, that the know. stock market up, that we know. Okay, sure, it's gonna go great. Well, people, you have mass unemployment in the streets, but the stock market's doing well. Okay, cool. You know, um, the thing, you know, we, that you said last week um, that you're definitely right about, and that I think. If Biden loses, it will be because of this. Is he's very heavy uh, and aggressive about saying how he's going to raise taxes. If I'm him and I'm his campaign advisor, I would be very cautious about how I talk about those things because he is pretty aggressive about talking about raising taxes. And as we all know, people love to talk about uh, social issues and all these things, but when it comes to voting, their own they wallet. vote with their wallet. It's yeah. the money, stupid. And, and the same thing for corporations. When, when corporations in the U.S. had the highest corporate tax rate, one of the highest in the world, and finally went down from like 35% to 21, now he says he's going to bring it up to 28. Well, corporations at the end of the day, they're now hurting to stay in business. They're hurting with keeping employees, and now you're going to increase their taxes again. Remember, the biggest criticism against Hillary Clinton's campaign versus Trump's campaign in the last election was Hillary was incredibly focused on social issues, and Trump was all money. Trump was all, China's stealing from us, I'm going to get us the right. best trade deal. I'm going to cut taxes. I'm going to build a wall, Mexico's going to pay for it. I'm going to go to Europe, and we're going to uh, get NATO to pay for all these things, right? It was money, 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 money. I'm going to get all these jobs. I'm going to bring manufacturing back. That's all he talked about. Trump did not talk about social issues at all. Mm -hmm. He just talked about money. Hillary Clinton was the opposite. And everybody said, this is a bad idea. You should talk about financial things. Mm -hmm. And then she lost. And in an upset, people were surprised or whatever. And that was the number one factor. And if you remember, it's like her own husband, Bill Clinton, yeah. won because he basically said, it's the money, stupid. People yeah. care about money over everything right. else. Right. And so if they think that you're going to cause increases in taxes their 401ks are going to go down because you're going to regulate wall street or whatever like with biden people are going to be like mm, 
I don't know about that. Even if they totally disagree with Trump on social issues, if they think that he's going to cost them money, that's why you have these quote unquote like closet Trump supporters that you hear mm. about in like LA and New York and right. stuff, yeah. where it's like, you think these rich people are, are all liberals? I don't think so. No, they're not. I think a lot of the rich people pretend to be, but yeah. then when they actually vote, oh, they course. vote. Of course. For, and for and the, the same guys that are criticizing money. So if I Trump's I, taxes and all that stuff are the ones that are trying to avoid. I, I think if Biden loses, it, it will be because he's very aggressive about talking about taxes. Um, and I think he needs to lay off of that, honestly. I, I think that'll be his biggest Well, weakness. that brings me to the next topic on a nice segue as far as campaign ads. I'm kind of wondering, even though I'm in the ad industry. And if I'm Trump, by the way, on the flip side, if I'm Trump campaign advisor, I would just go hard and heavy on Biden is going to basically ruin the economy. He's going to cost so much money, raise so much it's taxes. He's going to take more money out of your He's pocket. He's going to get rid of jobs. Like, right. like that. I would be if I'm Trump's campaign, I'm like going hard on that, right? And if I'm Biden's campaign, I'm backing off and trying to be like, oh, I don't know about taxes. Well, we'll see. So let me ask you, uh, when it comes to campaign ads that we see tons of them these days, especially after the debate in the last you know, couple of days, I've seen like, I don't watch much TV, but every time I watch something, sporting events mostly, there's campaign ad after campaign ad, and they are obviously for opposite parties and everything. But let me ask you flat out, do you think campaign ads work? Of course, that's why they do them. You think really they are effective? I mean, I'm yeah, of course. I don't know if I'm, I'm a different kind of person, but when I see ads. when I see those campaign ads, and I don't care if they are for Trump or Biden or even local senators or governors or whatever the campaign ad is for, yeah. I get to a point where it's like ad fatigue. First of all, they're so poorly produced. I mean, Most of them I mean, are of course, so poorly just look produced. Look at the whole Facebook thing. The whole fa the oh Facebook swung the election. How do they do that? Well, yeah, With I, ads. I, I, it's funny you said that because I think actually on social media they might be more effective for some reason. I don't well, know if on television they are. Targeted. I don't know if on television, television commercials for for campaigns, when they say something. Yeah, and then they're they're incredibly they're incredibly effective. I mean, is they're a hundred percent effective. They wouldn't do them. I mean, they spend millions and millions and millions of them. If they weren't effective, they wouldn't do them. They've done plenty of studies where they can look at. Because first of all, they don't do lots of national ads. They do some, but for the most part, these are very targeted ads. And so they have a specific ad, like for us, we're in Arizona. Arizona looks like it's going to be very much a swing state in this election. Which the didn't used to be, but. Right, the polls show pretty even for Obama, or Obama, <laughs> Biden and Trump uh, uh, in this election right now. So right now, we are getting bombarded with tons of ads for Trump and Biden right now. Um, but that's the thing. I'm, I'm so fatigued of those ads. Okay, sure. You might be fatigued. I'm uh, not even watching those anymore. I but, don't even know what they say. I don't care. But there's, I mean, the, the thing with ads too is there's the, sub, there's the conscious and the subconscious. Most advertising is actually very subconscious. It's not so much consciously like, oh, I'm watching this. It's more of a subconscious thing. Um, it's the same with like kind of branding, right? Uh, so yes, the answer is they do work. It's been proven to work. They wouldn't spend hundreds of millions every campaign season on ads if it didn't work. So yes, they definitely work. All right. Now, does a Biden ad work to swing a strong Trump supporter? No, of course not. And no, vice versa. We know. But on the middle ground people, yes, they do work. Yes. All right. So let me uh, switch topics completely. We're done with politics for today. At least for now. Yes, thank you. Let's move on. So the next debate will be with the vice president, uh, 
uh, vice presidential debate, which is with uh, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. That one will be hopefully much more. My only, no, I will say. Never mind. I, I, I was, I had something somewhat controversial to say, but should I go for it? Well, it depends. Yeah, I'm not okay. gonna censor you. I'm gonna say it, and let me think about how I want to say this. Everybody should go out and vote and do whatever they want to do. But if you previously were not going to vote and what changed your mind and made you decide to vote was that some, some celebrity posted on Instagram <laughs> that you need to go vote and that's what swung you, you probably shouldn't vote. I'm just going to say it, okay? Sorry. Uh, you need to vote. Get on. Uh, who? Why are we getting bombarded with all these celebrities and athletes and all these people, and, and they have total right to say whatever they want. I have no problem with any celebrity or athlete saying whatever the hell they want. I don't care. People can use their platform for whatever reason they want. But I'm saying if you have no idea about any policy or, and are not following anything, and then just because you see Justin Bieber post that you should go vote, well, and that's what sways you. He's Canadian. Uh, yeah, that too. It's like... What are we doing? I, I mean, well, I understand that. I understand that, and I totally agree with you. However, they, it's so demeaning well, to I, me. They treat people like children. They treat people like they're fucking morons. Well, uh, to me, the main thing is that these celebrities they they have no more or less values than any other person. And, no, of and course not. They're they just live their lives with money. That's all they are. You right, and they. Um, and to me, depending on the celebrity or whatever. But just because you happen to be an actor or an athlete or something, and you have a certain celebrity status, but morally you're not any more important, or you don't have any more education or anything than I do. In fact, most of the time, celebrities have very little education, and then they're trying to tell you how to live your life. You know, when in their personal lives they're just a freaking wreck themselves. Yet when it comes to voting, they say, oh, you should go and yeah, vote like, and you should go like and do this. One of my favorite things is how Hollywood is so heavy on like climate change and then they fly fucking private jets and shit. Right. Oh, yeah. Everything. Fuck and, off. And, and they, I mean, they all have their own textile brands and these, yeah, which is all that shit. So exactly. it's, the, it's the big irony of the thing. But I mean, the, I think the only part, joking. It's like when you go to the Oscars, it's like a parade of fucking limousines yeah, and shit. Yeah. Hey, why don't you guys carpool yeah. or something? It's like, no, I mean, and they, they're and they hypocrites. Designer brands that are made in China and sweatshops and all that shit. So, but the thing is that on the on that aspect, it's almost like influential advertising, even though they're not being paid for that. I mean, I mean, but they are basically how much acting of a bombardment as influencers. Of get out and vote. Have you seen? Yeah. I mean, it is everywhere. Yeah. And again, I don't care. People should go vote. If you have any beliefs or you like like candidates, whatever, go vote. But also, like. The idea that that um, you should be like it used to be there was the idea of the the educated, well-informed voter, right? No, don't just go and vote based on what some celebrity tells you to vote for. No, That's but it's, crazy. A, it's no different that celebrities endorsing everything else, you know, and people buying something just because a celebrity endorsed it. You know? I just think like, when I see these things, it's it it comes off so demeaning right to me personally like, yeah like oh, condescending like saying, i'm oh, oh, i'm gonna vote because yeah uh, 
Exactly. Yeah. The, I'm the, a the, peasant. The rock told me to vote. Right. Oh. I'm a peasant and I'm an idiot and I don't know anything, but you, Kylie Jenner, told me the vote, so now I'm going to go vote. You well, know? You wait for Kylie Jenner to vote. Well, she was know. posting about yeah, the vote. Know. And know. they were saying, oh my God, look at this. Look at the impact she made. They got 80,000 people to sign up because of Kylie Jenner's post. I'm like, okay, but those 80,000 people, I'm like, if, if that's what made them vote, those people should not well, vote. I'm sorry. They'll sign up. We'll see. They actually go to. Yeah, vote. I know. But so, anyways, just, um, anyways let's my rant. turn the page. Vote if you want to, but if you don't want to vote and you don't like the candidates, you know, you don't have to vote. It's not like people who say of not voting is a vote for. No, that's not how it works. You just you don't have to vote, or you can vote third party. You can vote whoever you want. Don't vote because a celebrity told you to vote. That's my point. Okay, vote because you want to vote and you believe in something. Make your own decisions in your life. That's better. Um, all right. So let me switch topics completely. Um, we're gonna get into more e-commerce now because this is basically the core, believe it or not, of this podcast. Even though we spent about uh, half an hour for the first ten-minute segment, so we're a little over, just like at the debates. But we're more civilized. We don't have a Mike Wallace here moderating. So, oh, the last thing we didn't oh, mention, David. Come on. Sorry. We're off. That we both made fun of. That we noticed. Uh, didn't, and I'm sure people at home notice this too. Biden, so many times he would look directly into the camera and like start pointing at the camera. It was so funny. It was like, I know the debate prep. The debate prep people told him. I always think about these things of like, what are the people backstage thinking that prepared for this debate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, hey, you need to. They have these like monologues ready for them. And they're like, look into the camera. They have this point. They have these uh, body language funny. experts analyzing the body language to see if they are lying or hiding the truth or whatever. And I'm yeah. sure they told them, you look at the camera straight. And Trump? And, and they told him really, which was his camera. And Trump was always like leaning like this and looking at Biden and looking at Mike Wallace and Biden. Trump he, he really needs to get cameras. control of his eye rolls because he yeah. must. Of I rolled fifty thousand. Yeah, times no, that, that and hour. the uh, his mouth expression, like, and then they were criticizing Trump's family too because no one them was wearing a mask, um, doing wow. when they were sitting. And but then, weren't they all tested? They were all tested there, but then I don't know social distance, whatever. But none of them was wearing a mask. And in contrast, uh, Jill Biden was actually wearing a mask when she went up on the stage yeah. to hug and kiss Did her you husband. Did Melania? Didn't like hug or kiss anything when she got on stage. To I Trump. don't. I think he was part of the rule or something. I don't know. No, because Jill or whoever. Yeah. Jill Biden is that her name? Yeah. She Jill, like went yeah. up and hugged and kissed him. Well, no, but she had a mask. Jill or whatever. I don't know. But Melania just walked up and then just they just held hands, but they didn't hug or anything. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You, yeah, Melania. After the yeah, 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 yeah. Melania. I thought you were talking. That. I thought you were talking Ivanka. No, no. Yeah, that's true. It, yeah, the behavior was a little odd, but I think I think there were so many rules that they said the candidates are not going to shake hands or even fist bumps or even elbow butts or whatever. You know, like not, nothing. Like they would say, just go up, and say hi, wave, whatever. It was weird. Um, anyway, so for now, for sure. Moving on. Um, so, Amazon Prime Day. It was just announced that it's oh, confirmed. Confirmed to um, it's a big change of topic. Yeah, big right change. Now. So we're done with elections for now, for until next weekend. Uh, anyways, Amazon Prime Day. Um, it was confirmed that it's going to be October 13th and 14th. Yeah, a little late, thanks Amazon. Well, but that's my thing. Um, <laughs> they, <and> Prime <laughs> they Day give sellers no Prime time Day to is what I call the Christmas in July for Amazon. They have this this day in the middle of the year, which by the way is a weird day because it's it's kind of like from 12 p.m. through. 12 p.m. or 11:59. It's one day, 24 hours basically, but it actually expands to two days. 
So it's going to be this this um, in October, in a couple of weeks from today. We're recording this on October 1st. So really it's going to be like, a, uh, yeah, like a Thursday, Friday or something. And they have the prime day, 13th, 14th, 24 hours of smoking deals and all that. Now we need to see how the rest of retailers are going to match it, like the Best Buys, the Targets, the Walmarts, and all that stuff, see what deals they have. But the thing this year is that, first of all, they announced it too late, as you said. I think they were waiting to see how the situation pans, you know, as far as shopping. Yeah, because else. right now, uh, everybody's just trying to get their inventory ready for Black Friday. Right, for the holiday and now, season. now, nobody has inventory ready for this. Right. So they have whatever they have but, in inventory. But that's the thing, that but, uh, that's on the, on the retailer side, but on the consumer side, Everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, kids are going back to school partially. They're still not at school physically. They're still doing, like, depending on where you live and where you are, they have these remote lessons and all that, and then going back to school. And then that's the weekend sometimes in some places where you have a fall break or something, and the kids are off school for maybe in a game for another week or something. But then we're five weeks away or so from the traditional yeah. Black Friday. I think Friday they shoved it in because they didn't want to skip it. But I... I I mean, but my main question is, people are not going to buy the same thing twice, so they're going to spend twice the money, hopefully. So are people now going to buy ahead what will normally be bought Cyber Monday or Black Friday? Or, or are they just going to say, okay, I'm going to buy little things? I don't think people are... I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know. Normally, Prime Day is a pretty big day. It's pretty it decent, is. But it um, is a, a pretty I don't big. think it's going to be very big this year. Well... I, I I agree. I mean, I have to say that when you buy something in July, you kind of have something a right. whole four or five months to decide what you get for Christmas, and one bucket doesn't take from the other. Now we have the uh, holiday shopping bucket of whatever budget you have that you have to decide, am I going to take money from this bucket now and spend it on this smoking deal that I'm going to get now because maybe it's not going to be around later, or I'm going to just skip the prime day and buy everything a month later when it's actually summer Monday and Black Friday weekend and all that stuff, which this year is going to be much more online than physically at the stores. So, in other words, if a family has X amount of money to spend, they're not going to have extra money now just because Prime Day showed up next two weeks. They're going to have to take money from this to give it to that. Or, or So, overall, the retail numbers, well, I don't think they're going to improve that much You know, for, for this uh, retailers, whether it's online retailers or, or physical retailers. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how, uh, how this is going to work this year, to be honest. If, uh, if Amazon just kind of said, okay, we, we promised a prime day and we didn't have it, we pushed it back and now we just need to squeeze it out mid-October because anything later is going to be totally negative. Anything sooner, we don't know what's going to happen. So now they said, okay, October 13th, 14th. So... Comments? Um, yeah, I mean, hey, if you have inventory for it, go for it. If you, uh, for all the Amazon sellers, um, I don't think it's going to be as big of a day as uh, it normally is. But maybe it'll, well, I'm sure it'll still be bigger than any normal day. Um, but one thing important is that Prime Day is actually exclusive to Prime members, so it's not available. Yeah, but for, I mean, a lot of people do a, a trial membership just to apl- just to be able well, to buy. I mean, Prime, Prime Day. Day. No, I mean the Prime um, deals are just for Prime members. That's that's no, confirmed. I know. But also, the Prime members are the ones who spend all the money. No, no, I understood, understood. So, but if I'm a family that I'm not a Prime member and I go to Amazon and I see these deals, 
but I'm not a Prime member to take right, advantage of the Amazon deal. Amazon also uses it to onboard. Like right. It's one of their biggest exactly. ways for getting new Prime members. Right. That's yeah. the purpose. So if Amazon is doing it, saying, well, we don't care much about the sales because whether we sell now in October or we're selling in November, December, it's fine. We're still sell. But if we get this day to onboard more members, even if it's a trial membership that then some people will cancel or some people will stay, that's another $170 a, month, a year that they get. So... Um, Maybe that is the reason behind having the the Prime Day as opposed to saying, Look, this year, just like many other things have been canceled, we'll cancel Prime Day and just continue next year, which wouldn't be wrong. You know, I mean, they'll say, we're just going to focus on Christmas, but they still kind of put it in there, you know, which is forcing, like you said, all the retailers to say, shoot, what do we do now? Because now we're preparing inventory for Christmas, but now, uh, you know, I mean, you're Walmart, you don't want people to buy the 4K TV at Amazon just because you don't have a similar offer. I mean, they always try to match it. They cannot call it Prime Day, but they call it something else, you know? And, and now it's putting the other retailers also on a little bit of a bind, trying to match some offers ahead of time or they will normally plan to do later, you know? So that's just something to um, um, think about. And, and we'll see, because we do also a lot of advertising ourselves for Amazon sellers and clients. So... I don't know, you know, how will, how will it pan out? So, um, any other comments, anything? What other news do we have on, um, on, in the DTC front, as far as, um, direct to consumer, you were saying that, um, most companies are starting to kind of, um, branch out a little bit, trying to diversify their sales outlets. And even though you start as a DTC, you also like to have multi-channel approach where you sell also, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, the more channels you have, the better. Obviously, D2C is great. D2C, I've said this many times, is the great uh, starter. Um, it's great for launching. It's great if you are, that's, right, because before the internet, there was no DTC. It was either, oh, I mean, there was, but I mean, it was, the barrier to entry was you needed to own a storefront, which is not cheap. So that's why most brands did not, small brands don't own storefronts. They go to retailers. Now you can have a digital storefront and it's very cheap, right? You make a Shopify store and it costs you basically nothing. Um, and so it's very cheap, but you're not going to, it depends on the category. I mean, there are some DTC brands that are exceptions to the rule that do become billion dollar companies DTC, uh, but they're incredibly uh rare uh the far 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 majority of them become omni-channel and that's mm -hmm. totally fine you want to reach the customers where they are that's what you care about the thing that people forget about with the problem with dtc is that you have to acquire all of the customers yourself so you have tons of customer acquisition costs when you use other retailers they're acquiring customers for you so even though your margins are smaller right. because you're giving them a cut they also have a huge customer base that you can get access to and now you're in their storefronts they're going to do the selling for you the customer service for you the returns for you they're going to do all that shit and they're going to market you and they're but there's also disadvantages i mean some of the major retailers have control you don't control your brand completely but they not if you have leverage the beauty of dtc is if you can go to a retailer and say look we do 50 million a year online 
okay, direct to consumer, and you go to retailers with that leverage, then you can negotiate good deals. That's the difference. Yes, but we also know retailers that basically when a, a, a product for whatever reason, maybe the market is not appropriate for that particular product in that particular store or something, they discount your products to like devaluating the value of your brand. So there's a lot well, of negatives. you also have to choose your retail partners, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't want to just go to anybody. You need to go with who fits your brand. And again, it depends on the category, but if you're in like food and beverage, you have no choice. You need to be in retail. Yeah, food and beverage is, is probably one of the biggest exceptions because the shipping is specifically, and that's another topic we're going to discuss too. Yeah, the shipping of food and beverage is, is very expensive. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of thing that people would probably be more prone to buying actually at a store as opposed to receiving yeah. you know, in the mail or, or shipping. So, which, speaking of shipping, you know, we, we do know that um, most of the major shippers, in the, at least in the U.S., like FedEx, UPS, and even the U.S. Postal Service, which has been in the news a lot lately, have pretty much agreed to you know, have like a price war and kind of... Uh, yeah, they're raising prices. They're raising the, the prices, season. basically, for so the holidays. So if you're not aware, now you're aware. Get ready for prices to increase. And I don't think it's going to be... Uh, little increase i mean there's talks that depending on what you're shipping you could see double the pricing of shipping costs so, so that obviously need to be ready for that. who's paying for that because at the end of the day well obviously the consumer does at the end of the day but that means that the consumer is going to say well th that's when e-com gets hurt versus retail right e-com works great when the logistics prices are very cheap and you can either offer free shipping and just embed the cost within the price of the product or offer very cheap shipping. But if all of a sudden the price of the shipping goes up a lot, then it has to be given. Ultimately, the consumer pays for it. Whether you offer free shipping and raise your price or lower right. your price and offer and have paid shipping, doesn't matter. Ultimately, the consumer is paying for it, right? But if it becomes too cost prohibitive, where something that is going to cost them $50 online, cost them 35 in a store, they're going to buy it for 35 If they have the option to buy it also at the store. Like we said, some of the, the brands they may look for or products are not available in the store, so they don't have sure, a choice. That's when brand exclusivity matters, right? Obviously, if you have a lot of brand value, then you say, listen, our site or these specific retailers are the only place you can get it, and you have that leverage. But the truth is, let's be honest, most companies don't have that leverage, so, especially if you sell a commoditized product. So if you are used to offering free shipping for a certain volume of purchase or something, and you see that the price of shipping now has, is going to increase from all your shippers, it doesn't matter who you use, um, did you try to... Well, you can negotiate with your shipper individually saying, hey, what kind of rates can I get? Which normally they all get lower rates, even though the lower rate would be a little higher this time. Or do you tell your consumers, okay, before it was free shipping for purchases over $50, now it's going to be free shipping for purchases over $75. Yeah, you can do all types of things. But the point is, um, you're going to lose customers because of that, right? Like the, the Or, or you're going to make your customers buy, buy more at once versus... Like if I'm buying something once a month and I'm used to getting my free shipping because I'm over the 50 bucks limit or something or threshold, then I'm going to have to buy maybe two months ahead of merchandise to say, okay, I'm still going to get my what I need for two months. You're just going to buy it at once and I still get the free shipping. So it's just like a little planning. Sure. But do a lot of people want to buy two months ahead of time? Well, I mean, if it's something like it's a recurring purchase, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, I, I mean, if it's something that you buy on a regular basis. I'm not saying nobody you know. would do it. 
but the percent of people that would do it for one month versus one month ahead of time versus the percent of people who would do it two months ahead of time is lower. Like all these, for example, all these subscription services that are coming now with, even with food. I mean, we see, we, you and I follow a lot of uh, brands that are doing uh, um, this kind of box of services where they ship food to you once a month or whatever you want, you know. Um, and they have these packages that are, okay, one for in a month and we send you five pounds of meat and this fish and this and that, all these products. And this free shipping is part of your membership. So are those guys going to have to increase their membership fees or decrease the cost? I mean, I mean, they're I mean, going to have to decide on... It depends on the company. Um, like ButcherBox is one of the big ones. Maybe they'll be able to absorb the cost. They're a big company and they know the lifetime value of their customers. So they might be fine. But, I mean, those subscription boxes, things... Um, you know, there's a lot of them. Most of them fail. Yeah, they can they can divide the cost of shipping um, between between a lot of months because people are subscribed. Yeah, so. the value of the subscription box is you have a huge lifetime value for the customer. The the problem with them is that uh, most of them fail, basically. Um, well, what do you mean they fail? Like people fail. that people like they just go out of business. Oh, like, the company. I mean, one of the, the biggest companies. ones. One of the biggest and one of the oldest was Loot Crate, mm -hmm. which sold um, like collectible items uh, for different. Uh, uh, like genres for gaming, for like comic book people, whatever, and that was one of the biggest. Yeah, but that's and not that a, was oh, I mean, Loot Crate was huge in terms of revenue. Yeah, but they weren't. But they were just burning cash, burning cash, burning cash, and then they went out of business. Yeah, but they were buy, they were selling um, non-essential items type thing. You know, like like if you're buying food. Sure, but even but the food, the problem with the food is the margins are very low. Right. But. So you don't have huge margins on food. If you're selling, uh, like, I don't know what but butcher box margins are. I can't imagine they're massive, right? Because they sell a commodity product. You can get meat in a lot of places. Um, but they know, okay, our gross margin on an individual purchase is not that much as far as one specific box. But once we acquire this customer, we know on average our customers stay with us for two years, whatever. Right. Then we make the money back, right? So I'm sure butcher box has all those numbers. But my point is... I mean, the subscription box is very tough. When it succeeds, you can make a lot of money because you have a subscription, mm -hmm. right? And subscription businesses are great, but it's very tough. Yeah, and they, the customer acquisition costs are very high. Right. So, so for the you know, talking back to back to Christmas time and all that, when people ship things or buy things, they'll probably have to consider that the, the sellers are going to have to consider who's going to pay for the shipping because if you are used to shipping something for ten, twelve dollars with FedEx, and all of a sudden it's going to cost you eighteen. Somebody has to pay for those four extra dollars, you know, and you pay yourself that's four dollars you take off your profit, which may not have, you know, may not have enough margin to absorb that cost. And you make the customer buy it, you know. Right. The you have two problems right else. now that we're going to see major impacts going into the holiday season. And that's A, shipping costs are going up and B, customer acquisition costs are going up because uh, for various reasons. One, just the digital marketing competition. Yeah is going up there's more and more and more companies spending more and more and more money on ads on facebook instagram youtube snapchat all the platforms um so the acquisition costs keep going up and then on top of that like we didn't we'll probably talk about this in a minute but facebook's going through a lot of changes right now mm -hmm. one of the biggest is the 28 day tracking window is now gone it's right. only seven days which that's a pretty big deal um especially for something uh, like like a subscription box, for example, or anything that basically people typically won't buy within seven days. Something that's not an instant purchase, right? right? 
there's a, that's so, as far as the, the the attribution on the tracking of the campaign right results. if you're an impulse buy item maybe you won't be very effective uh, affected but if you're somebody who sells something that's of more value like luxury is going to be fucking hurt by this i mean People don't normally buy luxury items on the first ad. Right. It takes a lot. Right. And so if all of a sudden their 28-day window is shrunk to seven, that hurts badly. Mm -hmm. Anything that's a more premium, expensive item well, is going to get hurt really bad. The other thing really Facebook bad. has already confirmed, and that was something that they announced a while ago, but they didn't say exactly when it was going to be implemented, is the limiting the number of ads per page. So for the big advertisers. Yes. That's, so that's, I don't understand that. They weren't clear about that at all. Well, now they apparently they're more clear. And we're not going to get into that because there's a lot of details. But uh, they have like a medium-sized advertiser, large-sized advertiser. But basically, they're going to limit advertisers with a pretty good budget uh, were yeah. able to create thousands of ads to game the algorithm. Oh, and yeah. Basically, that was the game. Right. The name of the game. When you're working with big, it's budgets, like it's like the it's like if you have a make a ton of basically right. just pick a ton of them and test right. that's the name so, of the so what they were doing is it's like if you play the lottery but you buy all the numbers you know and you say okay I'm going to buy all the numbers and then for sure I'm going to win yeah I'm going to lose some money but I'm going to win and then once I know who's winning then I'm going to better put all my money on that number so they were gaming the algorithm to find out faster by flooding the Facebook with their ads with uh, literally thousands of different variations of their ads so Facebook now um, has said that they're going to limit the number of ads depending on your amount of ad spend. You're going to have only so many ads and so many ads and so many ads, you know, depending on how much you spend. So that's also going to kind of level the playing field a little bit for the smaller advertisers. I mean, we're, we're talking some advertisers that spend like $100,000 or $200,000. I mean, these are big spend advertisers um, that, you know, the small store that is trying to spend like two or $3,000 a month obviously has nowhere to compete. You're selling something that is the same as any major advertiser and you're spending $3,000 a month. Another advertising is spending like $50,000 a month. I'm flooding the market with all the ads. I'm learning much faster with their algorithms, which ads are working or not. That's totally going to dominate the advertising space. So it's just a game. You have to, uh, it's pay to play, you know, and, and it's becoming even more more um, obvious right now. So to, to make your point, yeah, advertising costs, especially in the digital marketing side, are increasing very, very rapidly. I just think, I think the golden era of um, cheap acquisition plus um, cheap logistics is over. I think that companies are going to have to get smarter with their marketing. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to have to go through more channels. They're going to have to just do lots of different things. You have companies are going to have to be more creative uh, and do more unique things if they want to stand out. Plus, on top of that, most of these companies, honestly, are just copycat brands of each other, right? Once you have one successful company, you have 10 others that copy it. Right. So, um, I don't have a ton of sympathy if you're just a copycat brand and now all of a sudden you had this thing that was working and things changed and you got screwed. Sorry. I mean, uh, I, yeah, companies just need to be smarter. And I think that they're realizing that now. But this is when you really find out who are the truly talented people in DTC and who are the ones that were just mm -hmm. faking it. I, I will say that consistency is key. I mean, you cannot just uh, uh, do this kind of uh, shotgun the market and then all the advertising arena that disappear. I mean, you need to constantly be there with something on uh, you know, researching and changing and trying and testing and testing and modifying and doing it again. You know, it's just a constant game. And sometimes, yeah, but you know who's gonna but win when now? you do it right, you know who's gonna win now? All the companies who didn't fall for the uh, cocaine addiction right. that is the 
Facebook ads mm-hmm. that they're super addictive when they work, but the second they don't, you're screwed. Right. The companies who focused on organic, the companies who focused on creating their own mm-hmm. content houses, right. Modified, their own that's, media, that's what I mean. This, and a long term, their customers. A long term approach at yeah. the end of the day is always going to be the, the organic part, which is basically the planting the tree is going to work because that tree is going to be very solid and, and you're going to have all this information. The things that are going to matter much more, I think, in the next few years than did in the past are customer loyalty. So not just can you acquire a customer, but can you get a customer to com- continuously buy from you for multiple years? Mm-hmm. That's the true value. Yeah. Two, do you own your own audiences? Do you have some form of way of uh, selling to your customers, to your audience without paying for it? Um, and basically having an actual good quality differentiated product there's too many copycat products there's not enough unique products out there so those are the three things that matter and it makes sense those are the things that always mattered but when you have this kind of uh facebook advertising bubble where you can get away with being undisciplined basically Mm -hmm. and still make money all of a sudden that bubble popped it's it's no different than like a stock market bubble right yeah you have a period of time where everybody's making money like kind of right now honestly and it's like just oh it just keeps going up it keeps going up but then all and all these people are being undisciplined but guess what that's going to come back to bite you right. you're going to get hit at some point and that's what's happening to a lot of these brands yeah um all right so another brand that is trying to make quick money fast and easy is uh, netflix and uh there's no better way to make more money than keeping everything the same just increasing your rates too so that's what netflix Okay, that's an example. Yeah, that's what Netflix Great is going to do. Great product, great customer loyalty. Guess what? They can raise their prices, and they're probably not going to lose too many subscribers. No, they won't. No, they're they going to say, we're just going to raise our prices, make a few billion extra, no which problem. Which, in the case of Netflix, it's not confirmed yet, but they basically, when they when, when there's, uh, what do they say, there's smoke, there's fire or something, uh, they're already, there's already um, rumors and, and lots of uh, articles saying that Netflix will increase their rates mostly for the North American and European markets by one to two dollars, depending on the subscription type. And they have, I think, three basic subscriptions, the, the, what they call the basic one, the one where you have multiple users, and then the 4K one. So they're all like 15, 16, or something like that. Uh, like the cheaper one, I think, is $9 a month. Um, I don't know exactly the rates. So like 9 12, 13, and then 16 or something. Uh, anyways, um, they're planning on increasing those rates between one and two dollars a month per user, per subscriber. When you consider that they have about 200 million subscribers um, worldwide, that could be easily, with no other changes, between half a billion and a full billion dollars of increased revenue next year. So uh, that's a pretty good chunk of change just to increase your rates. You know, I mean, it's not like they don't ship anything. They just basically provide the uh, the content and like you said the customers are not going to just cancel the subscription because it's an extra buck or whatever they're just not even going to notice it but that when you have volume and you have so many loyal customers that's an easy way to make another billion dollars you know not to not to mention that the stock market reacted or the stock for netflix reacted very nicely to it and they are you know welcoming the increase so uh, that's another way that um when everybody was thinking we were talking about this actually about i don't know a few months ago when uh, you know you had hbo and apple plus and hulu's and all these streaming video wars that we used to have as a regular segment 
it doesn't seem like it's affected Netflix that much at the other day. You know, they continue no. to have their own subscriber base. They continue. Anybody who thought that Netflix was going to get hurt is stupid. I mean, uh, we've said it so many times. Right. Uh, and I, people are shocked. Oh my God, people who subscribe to Disney Plus, they're also subscribed to Netflix. It didn't cost Netflix subscribers. Right. What did you expect? Right. Of course. So, that, so I don't, I don't understand that people, uh, that people didn't get that. Now, yeah. you can the the ones that that are hurt and are weak are the the lower tier streaming services. But that's they're lower tier for a reason. Netflix and Disney Plus, and honestly, probably HBO too. I mean, HBO I think is the third, but they'll be fine too. I mean, th these streaming services they really know what they're doing. Like yeah. Apple, I think has no idea what they're doing. Apple TV Plus is being a little bit of a. Uh... I don't know if a failure or I just don't get it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, they, have, I they have some Apple original... I think Apple doesn't do content well. Like, Apple's tried to do content a lot of times. It's not in their But we, we talked about, even with the podcast platform, the TV Plus platform, I don't really understand, I mean, the promotions they have, the shows they have, original programming. I don't know if people are willing. Now they're trying to bundle with the music and all that, but it's like, I don't know. There's too much... Like, people already have Spotify. They have... You know, with Amazon, they have their own yeah, Amazon Spotify music is just and so all much that. Better than Apple Music, right? So Spotify is sitting there, lunch with the podcast, with the music, with everything, and now Apple is trying to bundle the music and they give you like, oh, extra value. It's like it's not extra value. I'm just getting these other things that I'm never going to use. So if I were to choose any service, I would stay definitely with Netflix. You're an Amazon Prime member, so you have Amazon uh, Prime, all the TV programming there, all the movies and all that stuff. And then you know, if you like Disney programming, you get Disney or Hulu or whatever. But um, I don't think um, anything that comes in the streaming world is going to detract or take because, customers away from Netflix. Because wh why do Netflix and Disney succeed? Why did Disney succeed so quickly when Apple didn't? When they well, because, basically launched very similar times. Right, because Disney had a lot of programming already. Disney that was exclusive. has a hundred years of IP. And, and brands that they've acquired Apple too. Apple has nothing. Uh, yeah. And Apple decided to go this... Uh, high premium content route where they barely have anything on their platform they just but everything on it is super high quality right but people don't really care like look at all the top shows on netflix mm -hmm. most of them are either old shows the office friends things yeah. like that that are old as hell and their most popular shows are stupid cheap dating shows and game shows tiger king all these things that didn't cost money. Look at uh, Shit's Creek. I mean, they just won. Look at, look, how much do you think? Um, I don't even know. I forget the name of all these stupid dating shows, but all these dating shows that are on Netflix right now, how much do you think those cost to produce versus the morning show that Apple did? Yeah, yeah. The morning show, I'm sure Apple spent well, $100 million on that. Plus Netflix. And it got a tenth the viewership. Yes, plus Netflix is much, much more international. And they have so many original programming for international shows for the international subscribers. I personally watch quite a few European-made shows that I kind of like sometimes, or at least I start watching them if I don't like them, stop. But I, you see a lot of original programming that is not just made for the U.S. market. The, the thing that Netflix Whereas does... Whereas Apple TV Plus doesn't have that. The thing that Netflix does really well is they're great. They've mastered the art of the high and the low. Mm -hmm. They have some high, high quality pieces and they do put a lot of money towards those things and they'll have a few of those every year, a couple original series, some original movies, whatever, right? That are high, high quality, high budget, but they also have this massive qual uh, 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 catalog of 
lower quality stuff mm -hmm. but they know that most people at night when they're just looking to relax and put something on and they're going to be on their phone half the time anyways not really paying attention they just want almost i don't want to say like garbage but like no i agree i just i do the same thing fodder in the background There's, yeah i agree because they that's exactly what i do there's sometimes in the evening when i'm actually more on my laptop just watching you know looking at all uh like a different news from different countries or whatever but i'm mostly on my laptop just looking at stuff and i have some kind of stupid netflix shows in the background that i don't really care about but it's just like there i look up maybe see something but it's just like kind of some background noise you know that you have it because it's some maybe a repeated show or something that i don't need to have full attention you know but uh bottom line is that you know um netflix can get away with this price increase and uh and it's of course just the other thing apple did that. that was stupid was everything has to be family friendly no cursing no nothing uh i don't even think they can have like nudity anything which is like if apple wanted to compete they should try to compete with hbo yeah. to be like that high end but also like adult content and stuff mm -hmm. uh but no they don't want to do that because they're family friendly yeah. so they're gonna fail unless they change. all right david so i'm gonna finish with um some sporting notes with uh nba we haven't talked to the nba for a while and now we're in the finals yesterday was the first game yeah, of the finals not much to talk about i know it's I not i'm not really that over. excited with this nba finals to be honest i mean i at lakers it was expected i don't think anybody expected miami to make it to the finals we probably were expecting the box or some other team and that we see that didn't happen so um any uh, comments on the finals are you excited obviously the first game was not excited at all it was basically over in the uh third quarter or even sooner yeah no, I mean, not much. Definitely, no, I, thought, no, no. I thought the Lakers would win. I thought the Lakers would win six. Um, now, if Miami has injuries, it might be less than that. But yeah, I mean, you know, LeBron is going to get his fourth ring. Good for him. Tenth finals. Um, so you think it's over? I mean, after one game, or you think Miami will be? Oh, I mean, I thought they would win in six. But if Miami lost Drogic now and they say oh, Bam, they lost Drogic. That's right. and Bam Adebayo might be injured, I'm not sure about that one. We're recording this the day after the first game. Um, yeah, I mean, if Miami has injuries, they're already the worst team. So if they, mm -hmm. if they, the whole thing was Miami had more depth. But if they start losing their depth due to injuries, then yeah. it's over. All right. Well, that's uh, pretty much all we have for now. Looking forward to. Uh, the next debate? No. <laughs> I'm done with debates. You think it'll be more people watching? More than 73 million? Who cares? I don't know. I'm telling you, man. That's, that's, um, I definitely don't care much about it. I just want to fast forward to like I know. December. I, I want to. I want to. And so the other thing is that, on. unfortunately, I think this election, and, and just the final, final note, I think we will not know the results very quickly, which is going to be even worse because we're going to drag these elections into, I don't know, days after for sure and maybe even to getting this is gonna to make things. the uh not that i remember it but the uh 2000 election where they had the oh yeah the counting the votes at the yeah. very end yeah that's gonna make that look like nothing this yeah. is gonna be way worse than that yeah we'll see we'll see hopefully not so anyways guys thanks for listening thanks for watching um do me a big favor and uh if you like any of the sections of this uh podcast please send it to a friend just engage one more friend to watch us to listen to us we're on youtube we're on pretty much every uh, podcast platform we have no sponsors and we have no plans on getting sponsors uh because we just want to be completely independent and not be reliant on uh third-party constraints or anything so but you can just share the podcast with 
any friend, that would be great. Subscribe to it. We'll get it once a week. And hopefully, if you have any feedback, let us, let us know by all means. And um, with all that said, we'll just see you next week um, with another show of MGR Unplugged. Thank you. Bye-bye.